We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The score! score! Hey, Chicago. <laughs> what do you say? Cubs gonna win today. If Shota Imanaga's control sequencing and pitch selection is as good as his comic timing and ability to read the rise and fall of a response in the room, he's gonna have a hell of a year. Well, let's hope so. They're gonna need it. Well, what do the Cubs think as Jed Hoyer and I think Carter Hawkins is there as well. Yeah, he's the, just like hanging out the, like Jed used like to do. Jed Oh, no, he had a bigger role. Yeah, he yeah. actually oh, did he? spoke. He might have answered more questions in this presser <gasps> than Jed ever answered. He didn't get the Jed Hoyer potted plant award or just sort of being there and sitting there and, and Theo kind of laughing at him until Theo would say, I'm going to let Jed answer that one as a bit. So it was... <laughs> Jed Hoyer <laughs> was new manager, Craig Council, and it was, I should say, president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer, and general manager, Carter Hawkins, and new manager, Craig Council, and the Cubs brass further addressed Cubs pitching. Carter, uh, now that you guys have gotten eyes on Shota in camp, um, what's kind of been the first impression of him, and um, how do you guys help him prepare for you know his first season here, and 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 obviously the, the workload that comes with that? Yeah, I think we're definitely all struck by uh, just how outgoing he's been. Um, you know, I think you know, obviously there's different personalities and different people, and kind of the juxtaposition of him versus say uh, it's, it's been interesting. He's he's definitely kind of been the life of the, of the clubhouse to some extent early on, and I think that'll be good for both Seiya and Shota to to have that uh, that partnership, but. Um, you know, I think for us, it's it's really about trying to throttle him down a little bit uh, early in camp. You know, I think everyone comes into a new environment and wants to do a little bit more um, than everyone thinks that they're going to do. And for someone like Shota that we're going to have to have for 162, you know, games and, and more after that. And then for several years after that, making sure that, you know, we're not uh, doing anything right now that's going to hurt us in September or October. Jay, a lot of guys been experiencing 60 plus, 70 plus outings for the first time last year. I'm more than a Hector Norris, just to that group, a guy who's done it year after year and pitched in the postseason, just as a not, not only would he bring us on the mound, but just that resource. Yeah, that's why we targeted him. I think um, the fact that <clears throat> he provides real leadership down there, I think, you know, all the. Um, References we got on him were that he does provide real leadership and stability in the in the bullpen. Um, the fact that he's done it year after year, um, as you said, you know, pitching for for seven months every year is really critical. Um, I think our bullpen. I think those guys learned a lot last season. Uh, for a lot of those guys, it was their first time through it. It was a hard run, like we talked about, and um, so certainly we're all hopeful that adding near us helps that group, but also that they got the experience from. 
you know, uh, being pushed really hard and they can come back and sort of understand, you know, what the workload feels like a little bit more. Greg, a lot's been said about uh, how you handle a bullpen. Do you think it's it's been an overstatement or that you just, you know, you're saying handling all 26 men, not just a good at handling a bullpen uh, during uh, 162 games? Yeah, I mean, I, look, you're just, you're making good, trying to make good decisions every single day. You know, certainly good players help you do that. Um, that good players help you make better decisions. Um, and at, at, at the end of the game, that's that's certainly true. Um, but it's, you know, we're we're trying to manage everything. We're trying to just, just talk to the pitchers about the game is 27 outs, and and we are connected and trying to get 27 outs together. And you guys all rely on each other, and that's that's how I treat it. I treat it like 27 outs. I treat it like we're all connected from the day before and from the next day. Um, and, and you're putting that puzzle together to win a game and to keep them healthy. That's what you're trying to do every single day. Jed, you said going back to guys taking the next step, you hope a year from now five or six guys take that step like Steele. Who are you in particular really thinking can, you know, not to pinpoint, just make one or two, but who are you really focused on to believe they can make that step this year? Yeah, I don't want to single guys out because I'll wind up forgetting someone that's, that's really important. But, um, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of guys that sort of haven't yet made that step to be, you know, uh, established big leaguers. You know, like I'll add Nico to that group, like with Steele. Like he's kind of made that step now, where I think we, you kind of have a sense of what to expect from him. I think we have a number of guys that that are trying to make that jump, and I think that that's, uh, like I said, that's that that's the fun part of this is watching those guys do that because, you know, that's how you know, in my experience. The way teams overachieve and the way the way teams have special seasons is by having guys, you know, do things they weren't projected to do. And you know, I think that we have a number of guys in this camp that I think have the chance to exceed expectations, make that step. And I think that's how you end up, you know, you stacking those players on top of each other. That's how you end up having a special season. Even though this is your first in a job and you know new players, is there a comfort level just because you had seen these guys so many times over the years? Yeah, I mean, there is. It it really it really does feel comfortable. I mean, I, one I spent time in the complex, like in December and January. Um, got to know a group of people then. Um, certainly, I've spent time at Wrigley this winter. There's a big group of players that run through Wrigley all winter. Um, so got to know some of the core guys there. And then, yeah, this I mean, this place feels familiar for sure. And and because of been pretty closely associated with you know because competing against them it, it does feel familiar and that does make it easier no question about it every time we thought he since the season ended he doesn't seem very worried about when his next opportunity is going to come at the big league level um just what is like he, like he mentions wanting to bring belly back or he talks about mike talkman even potentially being there what does that kind of tell you about who he is as a person outside of just a player on the field yeah I think I've mentioned this. I sat down with him at the end of the season in, in Milwaukee. We were up there and we had a great conversation at the end of the season. And we talked about how I think what happened when he came up, I think is the best thing that ever happened in his career. I think that um, having some struggles, um, learning at the big league level, I think is something he needed. And I know he worked unbelievably hard this winter. Uh, he was here at the complex almost every day, hitting with Dustin Kelly, um, making some adjustments that he knows he needs to make. Um, I think he's in great mental space. He looks great physically. Uh, he's been working on his swing. And he's a good teammate. I think he wants the Cubs to win. Um, I think he knows 
he's a really good player. I think he knows he can help help us win baseball games, and he wants other people around here that can help us win games too. So um, the fact that he's so open about that, I think, uh, says a lot about his character, and I'm super proud of what he did this winter. After a show to sign, I think he said something like it'd be unlikely to work the rotation. Is that still the case, or like there's one or more additions? What would that look like? Yeah, I mean, like I said, we're still monitoring monitoring free agency, and I mean, I there's never a day that I'm going to feel like we have enough depth pitching wise. Like it can't happen. You know, you're always just going to want to you know bring in more and more arms and more and more guys to protect you. So. Um, you know, could there be additional um, additions, whether it be on a major league contract or a minor league contract? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if it's going to happen, but like we can't ever stop looking because, like I said, you never feel as though you have enough arms to get through this marathon. You know what's to well, you don't know because I haven't said it yet. But what's interesting to me about any time that we talk about the Cubs, like the idea of players coming through Wrigley Field in the winter and knowing that they could actually do work at Wrigley field that for a long time, wasn't the case when you would get to the clubhouse and they were, they were dropping a a ball off the roof of the clubhouse so they could get swings. Like, I mean the, the transformation that the Cubs as an organization have gone through over the last 12 years is really amazing. Because it really wasn't that long ago where it was like, well, what are you going to Wrigley for? You're not going to be able to do anything. I Look, I, I remember being with the, the little kids at Bash Academy right off of Rockwell and Belmont, and you hear, you, you hear, dink, 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 and all of a sudden you hear, and you look over and it's Anthony Rizzo. What is he doing here? He has to be here because he doesn't have a place to hit in his own building. Like, come on. I love that. Well, I love that they've got that now for them. Professional spaces. Yeah. I do think it is kind of cool though that, that you could be at a random batting cage and, you know, one of the better major leaguers is uh, just mashing balls next to you. What do you think about any of the things that, the front office had to say when it came to where they're at in free agency, because the reference to like, Oh, the closers warming up, for example, as to the length of the game in the free agency period for them. Do you care? Do you think it's just posturing? I think that this is where free agency is now. If you're a big fish in free agency, I think that you have an opportunity to kind of lengthen things out. I also think that there is, some fatigue and the best players in the game are figuring it out. Now I don't have to be, if if I'm Cody Bellinger, I don't have to be at the facility every day. Nope. And I maybe don't need seven weeks to get ready for a season. Maybe I really only need four. So why, whatever my choice is, why make the choice quickly? If I don't have to, if, if the money is going to be the 300, 300 million is the 300 million. And I know that for, for this particular off season, I can give myself some extra time to spend with my family or just veg out before I go and get into the cycle that is baseball, the long marathon that is baseball. 
if you're giving yourself a couple of extra weeks to do that, I'm I am here to celebrate that. Especially pitchers. It's one thing to position players when you yeah. really look at, at pitchers. I I think actually do need the time. But they can, if you're a starter, you need the six weeks to ramp up. And a lot of them do it on their own at these various academies where there's all kinds of professional and college players. There's a million catchers that you have there. And I would rather, I mean, I, I know that I'm, I'm sounding duplicitous in this, but I would rather have my pitchers working at the facility than yeah, well, at Bash. At least where you can keep an eye on them. Correct. And and what their arm might be doing or not doing. But if you're if you're a position player of no, or even like a, a veteran pitcher, you know, like, because what you don't want to have happen is what's happening with the Astros right now, which anyone could see coming. Justin Verlander's arm hurts. Of course it does. He's old. It's also the nature of baseball as an individual sport that masquerades as a team sport, where unlike hockey, basketball, football, where they work, we would hear Tom Brady's getting his receivers together to work, or Aaron Rodgers to work his special coat. You don't have to do that in baseball. It's a little bit of that. A little bit of that. Where, where do you when I when I give you the flip at second? Where do you want it? Or what language are you speaking when we're both going back for the same fly ball? PFP. Too. Sure. There's there's all kinds of there are moments, but for the most part, you can prepare your game like a golfer, and you are an, an individual player. Where these other sports, look, these this is the play we're running. You got to know small forward. You got to know power forward, and you got to know every permutation on this baseline out of bounds. And you set the so the the, the teamwork aspect allows a baseball player to show. You know what? I'll 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 get there when I get there. Everything will be fine. Uh, are we going to talk about this major breaking news? Yeah, we have I think to. We you have wanna, to. You want to know why? Because your man. <laughs> I, I wanted your him, man. Your man. I wanted him to be good. I really. I wished him well, and it turns out he was impaired at many of the important uh, no, 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 necessities. No, 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 not not that your man's. Your other man. Your man's. Oh, that. Hey, okay. It, I, I it think... all comes together. Your man's it is. Next in the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. It's Odyssey Station. I haven't heard any of that. I didn't hear all of it. I heard a lot about most of it, but what I did hear, I did not hear any of that. He's going to hear a lot more. It's a big day. Pitchers and catchers are reporting across Major League Baseball for the latest news on the Cubs or White Sox. Try listening to chapters from our show. Each topic we cover is broken out, so you can find what matters most to you to get started. Download the Odyssey app, then search for 670 The Score and tap on a recent episode of our show. Dr. Death is back! And who brought him back, Dan? Jim Harbaugh. Your man's. Do yep. you think that he has the toolbox now, that it is Jim Harbaugh's? Yes, I think that's why you do it. I think it's why like, you acquire a company that has a certain trademark. You acquire Mark Trestman because now Harbaugh has the toolbox of concepts, and he gets to grow the man. Huzzah! 
Grow the man. All I know is they have ankles. That's all I know. Uh, in searching for that. At our point. place, we're really trying to grow the man because we think growing the man helps our football team. He's not wrong there. He's like, at, I, no. I, I do like that he had a very altruistic view of football and that it was connected to more. It just did. His approach to selling that concept wasn't great. As long organized as organized and thoughtfully created. As long as he's not leading a room, if he's just giving his thoughts like a Phil Snow. Or Tony LaRussa? No. Um, he has an actual title, Tressman. So does Tony LaRussa. Yes. I think I did. So, uh, as long as. Look, I, I'm, I'm not worried that he's somehow going to infect Jim Harbaugh's operation with nanites. He already has. That's how you get hired. That is interesting, though. Like, if I had had Jim Harbaugh hires Mark Tressman as one of his assistants, as the senior offensive assistant on my bingo card, I would be incredibly psychic. Whoop. Because I didn't think those two were that aligned. From from an offensive standpoint, I think they they're probably closer than we imagine. Clearly, the thing the thing about Tressman is that his ideas about offense aren't off the wall. He just wasn't good at being. He's a respected offensive that's, mind. That's what I'm saying. That as he, long as he's he, not really running anything. I mean, even if you were your, I mean, not you were going to make him your offensive coordinator. Like the, his problem was. An inability to lead NFL players. To communicate with them, to have them understand what was in his head. There was always a disconnect. It was sort of the problem Mike Singletary always had, as it was explained to us. That he mm. that when when Brian Billick referred to speaking singletary ease that nobody else understood. I, I don't think that even after being as decorated of a player as Mike Singletary, there isn't anything in his resume as an assistant that rises to the level of what was in Tressman's resume as an assistant. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Tressman came in as... Having done this, the job. This yeah. guy is an offensive guru. Singletary's more about vibes. You know, I'm the tough guy. I'm, I played on the best defense ever. I'm here. I think he probably has more leadership ability than Tressman, but even still, it came out very clunky. Right. Right. But there was a similar in failure to communicate, a similar disconnect, and Tressman just had no authority. None. No authority. And they, they, Brandon Marshall stepped all over him. Lance, That's okay. I'm not, I'm not trying to be smart. Lance stepped all over him. Lance was just trying to open a restaurant. Let that man open his restaurant. Even the kicker. Is the double nickel still open? I would bet not. That's a tough business. He's sore. Man. I mean, that's really where it's at. He's sore. Um, th- there hasn't been any indication of, of that. Sore, eh? Anyways, back to the question. Is Phil Emery still working? He was with Atlanta. Is he still there, or did he retire? Uh, I think he retired, actually. The 847 says, to complete the Bernstein dream staff, all Jim Harbaugh has to do is now bring on Tim Beckman. Uh, Oski. (laughs) Yeah, Phil retired in May of last year. Okay. So it's now it's Ryan Pace's team to run. Which is, that that can't be the only reason people are making the Falcons connection. Ah, and Justin Fields' home 
as well. Like there's there's well, gotta be the reason that people were making the connection initially is because it's where he's from and right. and because of Arthur Smith. Mm. That Arthur Smith seemed like the type of coach that might be able to get the most out of him, which is now the reason why people are making the connection with Fields to Pittsburgh because Arthur Smith is the offensive coordinator there. Dan and I were talking about it earlier in this week. The thing that's really interesting about that, though, is that Arthur Smith, his offense works primarily under center. And Justin has spent a majority of his time playing out of the pistol or out of the shotgun. Now, I have a working theory that because we're seeing so many bad snaps all over football, then maybe we'll see some offenses go back to a little bit more of under center. And how hard is it for a player like Fields, who's done primarily, he's done some stuff under center, but primarily has worked out of pistol or gun, how hard or easy is it to learn an offense when, during play action, you're turning your back to the defense. We should note, too, that that's not the only former Bear coach on Jim Harbaugh's staff. Ah, uh, yes. Did you see who the quarterback's coach is? Brian Greasy. Shane Day. Oh. Greasy has a job. I know. Shane Day was Mike Martz's hand-picked valet. See, he's putting it all together. So- Everything that's happened with the Bears over the last 30 years, Jim Harbaugh is putting together in a staff out yes. in Los Angeles. It's the Infinity if, Stones is what he's doing. If he successfully recreates. I, I didn't say they were good Infinity Stones. Well, if he successfully creates that coaching staff with that many, man. His quarterback's coach is Mike Martin's does he have a, quarterback. Does he have a linebacker coach? Because Lovey's not doing anything. Mm. Just do that. Have Lovey come Navarro out there and teach her, teach her. Navarro Bowman is a linebacker's coach. Oh, he's so good. Navarro Bowman was so good. So he's putting together a good staff. Him and Patrick Willis. Shout out to Patrick Willis. He made it to the Hall of Fame, too. We didn't care because, you know, he's not our guy. But uh, Watching those videos of everybody getting the knock, his was one of the most moving. Yep. I also loved Andre Johnson's reaction because it was peak Andre Johnson. Patrick Willis is another one of the guys that walked away young, right? Didn't he? Didn't he only play like eight years? And people are like, why is he retiring? And he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to slam his body and his head around all the time. That, that's what I was saying about Christian McCaffrey. That's why I was trying to, you know, circling that name as a, as a possible short termer. Megatron has come out recently and talked about stuff. Andre Johnson, another. Yeah, Patrick, Patrick Willis, eight years. That's it. Only 112 games played, and that got him in the Hall of Fame. Because he was that dominant. I mean, he's worthy. Don't get me wrong. I mean, look at that production. And he only he only had six games in his last season, too. Wild. No, wait a second. The 773s, has, this is great. They're collecting incredibly finite stones. Yeah. And the are. 312 says Sanjay Lal turned the Bears' job down to work with Harbaugh and Tressman. There you go. And I, I mean... If you had the opportunity, that would be a good staff to be a part of, to me. It's not a diss on anyone else. And additionally, while I'm here talking about other coaching staffs, Mike Tomlin put it out there about Justin Fields. Said he was a big fan. That's, that's putting it out there. If, if I'm Justin Fields, I mean, I, Mike Tomlin's number one on my list of coaches that if I were, if I were blessed with the talent to play football – and had a choice, 
he would be the number one coach that I would want to play for. If I'm Justin Fields, though, I'm also looking around and I'm like, well, hey, that division's not easy, number one. That conference is impossible. Would it be better to go to an NFC team? Like if, if you're talking. I mean, if you want a division, you go to the NFC South. If you're talking to Ryan Poles and Poles, Poles offers you. Take the South. If, if he says, hey, do you have any preferences? I can't promise anything. Nobody wanted but to. I'd love to know if you have any preferences. If I'm Justin Fields, I'm like, maybe Atlanta is where I want to go. Instead of Pittsburgh, even knowing that it's Mike Tomlin and you're probably going to the playoffs because he's Mike Tomlin and they go to the playoffs no matter who the quarterback is. That's actually a good life question. Mm -hmm. If you have to relocate for a job or you have to work somewhere else and your former boss who put you in a horrible position is perhaps leading the best possible job, do you go? I'll answer this question instead from the 802. You well, heard some of that? It says, wasn't the bad thing about Trestman was that opposing coaches and players knew exactly what plays were coming from every formation and he never adjusted away. Wasn't that even worse than his social abilities? No. Well, no, it wasn't. But it, but I, you're right to remember that. And that's why when you look at the Mark Trestman track record, usually when he gets to a team, there is a first-year bump that then sags in the second year when th- people do figure out what he's doing and maybe that he's got enough support but, around him that they can just take the good. But, I mean, him. that entire, like, the locker room was incredibly divided. It was, it was a mess. It was. It was lost. And it needed some leadership. And you had a mouthy wasn't. kicker. You, <laughs> seriously, you had the kicker. Getting in shouting matches with your wide receiver. Maybe, maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but don't you also don't you have the Erlacher retirement, forced kind of retirement in there? Then you have Lance kind of taking over as the middle, and you had beef between offense and defense. You had beef between wide receiver and quarterback. You had tight ends slamming defensive back and saying if basically hadn't yes. You know, yes, like, yes. And you had the wide receiver calling a 45 minute press conference to hand unbeknownst to the team, by the way, entirely on his own, commandeered the media to hand out legal documents, unredacted legal documents with the with the name of a woman in there that he was accusing of wronging him. And everybody's looking around like, what the hell is going on here? And he's he's pulling out names that were not supposed to be made public in his own personal grievances. When we talk about the phrase that permeated a lot of this season being, well, at least he didn't lose the locker room. I'm assuming this is what they're referring to. Well, yeah. And I mean, it, it's even more specific than that, like to the actual locker room. One of the first things that Mark Tressman did when he came in, you know, how in most places, most football locker rooms. The offense has a side, and the defense has a side of the locker room. Tressman wanted the locker room to be offense, defense, offense, defense, and no one liked that idea. Like, so there's a lot. Like, like now it's all starting to like come back to me. Like he had called, he had said that Brian Erlacher was no longer a three down linebacker. 
that ruffled feathers. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he wasn't. I mean, he ended up, he wasn't, but still, you I don't. In, I was dealing with other chaos in Houston in 2014. You so. don't say that publicly. And then Erlacher got what he thought was a low ball offer. So he leaves. The guy that was his best friend of the team is now in charge of the defense. He's doing other stuff. And, and clearly the offensive guys and the defensive guys did not like each other. You had a quarterback who thought that he was the bleep. You had a wide receiver that, that wanted the quarterback, then didn't want the quarterback. It was chaos. Was this also the season? What was Dude's name? Sounds kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. Dude's name that uh, hurt himself celebrating, and they were getting destroyed. Lamar, Lamar Houston. Houston. Lamar Houston. Didn't that happen then, too? It was yeah. during was the era. I don't know if it I was that, that same was season. later. No, that was that. that I think I'm that was pretty sure that I was think, a. No, that might have been a John Fox season. I that might have been John yeah, Fox's maybe you're first right. season. I think it was later. Let me see. It was definitely in a lost season, and they were getting blown out against Detroit or it something. Like Twenty fourteen. It was against Detroit, and it was after a Detroit player had done the same thing. How come? If you remember, Stephen Tulloch, the Detroit linebacker, did the same thing, blowing out his knee while celebrating. But the Lamar Houston thing, they were down like twenty five points. Twenty fourteen against the Patriots, actually, and, uh, and it was during Trestman. Wait, okay. was Sam Hurd also that Wait, was that, was that the 50-burger Yeah, against the Patriots? Yes. The, the back-to-backs? Yes, the score at the time is 23 yes. Do you think that this was any part of Tressman's job interview or no? No. No? And for those asking where Jim Tomsula is, uh, he's the head coach of the Rhine Fire. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan of the European no, League he's of in football. a van yelling at you that you suck. <laughs> That was so, that's not please, no that's Pat Thomas. Oh, please oh. explain that for those of us who didn't hear this morning. I sent him an email. I have everybody. So I, we 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 have Maggie the dog right now for the next week. So I lost the uh, the the Rochambeau for the morning walk, and so it, just a little after seven, like seven fifteen or so, I'm walking out my front steps, and I walk down and I get I walk about twenty feet to the stop sign. And there's this van there. And there's these dudes in the van. It was like, and I'm like, oh, God, who are these people? Like, uh, it's like some randos. And I crossed. Is it like a white van? Ah, uh, it's gray. And I crossed the street. And, and whoever's in the passenger side leans out and goes, Bernstein, you suck. And I just kind of smiled like, all right, good morning to you, too. Oh, all right. And then I came in here, and they were on the TV, and I it was it was Pat Tomasulo. They were driving around with and a camera. And Paul and Conrad. And Paul Conrad. They do the thing with the van, and Paul drives the van around. They do that a lot. And okay. three dudes who did not yeah. look like they wanted to be dressed like Cupid crammed in the back seat. No, they definitely wanted, oh, they wanted to be. That's to be. part of their really? – yeah. yeah. Did they so want now, to? I, I don't know. They were just oh, kind of yeah. sitting there. Oh, no, no, no. This is like a whole thing. Look, Channel 9 vibe is very different. They got different yeah, stuff so now, going now on. Now I know. It wasn't just some random person telling me I suck. It was a very specific person <laughs> yes. telling me that I suck. I'm just laughing at the van. Like, the visual on this is just he does, pretty funny to me. Like, Paul does this where, like, if someone is hired, they have to go do an interview with Paul in the van. Really? So, like, they just hired uh, Brett Vickery to do traffic in the morning. And so she had to, like, get in the van. That's and, fantastic. And do an interview with I think uh, Paul and LJ were in the in the van, and you know, that's like his bit. Drive you around in the van, talk to you. Hey, can you help me move this couch? I'm having some trouble with it. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, the, 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 at least there's windows in the back. Otherwise, you get a little scared. Yeah. You know, some it's kinda, it's, there. That's the bit. Like, that's the here. Get in the van. Right. Get it? Like, this van's a rockin'. Don't come and knock. Not really the bit. That's I not. live Those are two in a different van bits. down by the river. That's three different bits. Yeah. You know what happens when you get to six bits? Rhine, Rhine, Rhine. A dollar. When you get to eight bits, then you can play games. Yes. Uh, should I explain how I found the verbatim Mark Trustman quote or no? Sure. Save it. Save it. We'll do it next. Unless sure. we had something else planned. I, can there's, we, a, there's a thing we've been sitting on for a week that can keep waiting. We're yeah. Good. Can we still play some of this stuff? No, probably but we not. Can, but no. we can talk about it and we can point people to where it is. Okay. Let's do that next on the score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. I can't wait to get my hands on him. Justin Herbert is waiting for you, Dr. Death. Congratulations, Mark Trussman. Jim Harbaugh and you will work together on the Chargers staff. Can I, uh, can I read... A Valentine's DM request I got a few years ago. Sure. It's Valentine's Day still. Yes. February 14th, 7.15 p.m. Any interest in a blind date on V-Day or just a blind take a look at each other and decide what to do from there? And that to this day remains the creepiest thing I've I've received in my well not the super creepiest but the creepiest Valentine's He's Day thing creep. I've He's a super creep. Super creep. super creepy. On February 18th Hi, Layla. I'm sure you get this all the time. Would you? But would you be open to meeting up for coffee? Promise I'm normal. And I know asking through Instagram is weird. Promise I'm Sir, normal. Your normalcy negated itself when you decided to send me the creepiest Valentine message of all time. All when, right. When, now, so, when you when you have to say that you're normal, it's usually not, a red no. flag. Also, well, also like the the request before on Valentine's Day night was also super disturbing. Super creep. As was the fact that I looked at his profile and saw he was married. Okay, so in 2014, the way I the way I found this Trustman quote was I I of course Googled Mark Trustman. I haven't heard any of that, and it was a common search. And uh, I found this very professional CBS Two sports page. Mark Trustman is Boris and Bernstein's 2014 quote of the year winner. Mm-hmm. Big deal. Take a bow, Mark Trussman. As your Bears are mired in an underachieving 5-7 and seven season, you can take solace in the fact that you've been crowned the 2014 champion of the Boers and Bernstein Show's 13th annual Quote of the Year competition. It was a line that only a deep thinker like Trussman could summon. I haven't heard any of that. I didn't hear all of it. I heard a lot about most of it, but what I did hear, I did not hear any of that. Trussman didn't just confuse us with perhaps the most mind-bending quote of the year. He carried the vote in a, mer- in a manner rarely seen. In a field of eight nominees, and these were interesting, he garnered 53% of the vote. The other quotes were from Dan McNeil, Les Grobstein, that's the Eagles quote, Mm -hmm. Tommy Lasorda, Hawk, which I'm not playing on the air. You can't play it. You can't play that on the air. I mean, you can. It's it's on him to deal with the consequences. Hawk, that's it was inappropriate and not in a uh, Valentine's Day message manner, but in a talking about people's ethnicity manner. Uh, Rick Wild, the guy from technology and stuff from the truck uh, that was presented to the Royals appropriately at the World Series. 
James on the West Side and David Schuster. James on the West Side's quote was the one that gave us the homicidal homosexual. (laughs) Remember? He said. (laughs) Also not appropriate. Yes. I think we can play. They have the audio here. I think we can play the Dan McNeil one. Well, that was just the genesis of Ramblin' Grimace. Would you guys like to hear it? I can try to see if it will work. Well, you're just going to hold the the mic up to your speaker. Go ahead. I have to go to the bathroom really bad. All right, that's okay. Segment's over. That was Ramblin' Grimace to the men's room. Out of nowhere. I found this page to be pretty informative. Play the hawk one. Play the hawk one. No! Yeah, play it. Because people forget that he would say stuff like this. That's a typical Asian motion. Deception involved. You know, I asked the great Ted Williams about guys. Of course, they didn't have Asian pitchers back in those days here, but they had guys with some unusual well, they, motions. They had them, but they were in Japan. Yeah. A nasty slider from down under. Yeah, that's a typical Asian motion. There it is. I would like to play Deception. mine. Inscrutable. It combines class winning and leading, um, you know, technology and stuff. <laughs> technology and stuff. And stuff. That's the show that's coming up next here on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.